Hello and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn podcast, the podcast where I, along with a cast of fellow book and movie nerds, talk about movies based on books as well as the original source material. A couple of warnings real fast. Yes, there will be some barnyard language. Yes, we will do all the spoiler things. We want to be able to talk in depth about the endings, so proceed with caution. You can listen to all of our past episodes if you go to kmmamedia.com, click on the Pages and Popcorn podcast link, and see a back catalog of all of our episodes. One last thing, if you want to support the show, of course, there's Patreon and buy us a coffee. Or you can do the best thing of all, rate and review us and tell your friends to listen. The more listens we get, the more likely I am to keep making shows. Okay, that about sums up the intro. Thank you once again for joining us on today's episode of Pages and Popcorn Podcast. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. First we read the book. Yeah, yeah. Then it's movie time. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time to talk. Yeah, yeah. And you know we're feeling fine. Because it's Pages and Popcorn, it's Pages and Popcorn. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome. As you know, this is Pages and Popcorn. And as you know, because you looked at the thing, hopefully, when you clicked play, we are talking about (laughs) Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. And if you didn't know before, now you do. So, huzzah. I am here with Cynthia. Hello. This is so exciting. I am going to get into the recap and all of the stuff in just a second, but I have to say it's super fun. It's like kismet. It's like (laughs) destiny because we both have daughters. Mine is 10 and a half and yours 11. Yes. And this book was just perfect. I mean, it's like it was meant to be. It came out at just the right time. So it's super, super special. Yeah. Actually, I want to just change up our format just a little bit. Cynthia, did you read this book when you were a child? I definitely did. Not only did I read this as a child, my mother also read this as a child because as I was recapping what we were going to be talking about today, she's like, that sounds really familiar. And then I pulled up the old, you know, original book cover to show her. And she's like, I read that when I was a kid. It's fun. I also read it as a child, but I also read another book. And in my head, I had very much conflated the two because there was a very specific scene that I have always ascribed in my mind to this Uh book that was not in this book at all. Yes, exactly. I kept waiting for it and it never (laughs) showed up. So now I'm like, what was this other book? Because like the beats were all there. Every and this the scene would have fit very easily into this book, so I just don't know. Anyways, I will tell you what it is in a couple minutes after I do the recaps. So I'm gonna do straight up Wikipedia recaps today. Okay, and then we will talk about all of the changes and the differences and all the fun things. So here is our recap. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Is a middle grade novel by American writer Judy Bloom. It was published in 1970. Its protagonist, Margaret Simon, is a sixth grader who grows up without a religious affiliation because her parents have an interfaith marriage. 
This contemporary, realistic novel was popular with middle grade teachers in the 70s for its relatable portrayal of a young girl confronting early adolescence anxieties such as menstruation, brassiers, and boys. It has also been challenged for its frank discussion of sexual and religious topics. Bum, bum, bum. The recap. When she is 11 years old, Margaret Simon's family moves from New York City to the New Jersey suburbs. Her mother is Christian, her father is Jewish, but Margaret was raised, as I said before, with no affiliation to either faith. She frequently prays to God, though, beginning her prayers with, Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Margaret feels uncomfortable with her lack of religious affiliations. For a school assignment, she studies religious beliefs, hoping to resolve her faith-based issues. Her study includes attending different places of worship to learn about religious practices. Her Jewish grandmother, Sylvia, takes Margaret to Rosh Hashanah services and hopes that her granddaughter will embrace Judaism. Margaret is quickly befriended in their new house in the suburbs by Nancy, a neighbor girl who's the same age and in the same class at school. Nancy seems very confident and very knowledgeable about a great many subjects, including sex. Nancy, Margaret, and their friends Gretchen and Janie form a secret club called the Pre-Teen Sensations. The Pre-Teen Sensations discuss boys, brassiers, and menstruation. The girls anxiously await their first period, preparing by buying belted sanitary napkins, which was changed in later editions of the book to just be straight-up pads. They also do exercises to increase their bust sizes. We must, we must, we must increase our bust. Gretchen has her first menstrual period, which causes Margaret to worry that she is abnormal because she has not started menstruating. Margaret envies her classmates, Laura Danker, who had started menstruating and wears a brassiere. According to Nancy, Laura lets boys touch her breasts. The pre-teen sensations gossip about Laura a lot. Margaret feels guilty when she learns that Laura is a devout Catholic and is also hurt by all of the rumors. Margaret is attracted to a boy named Moose, but also likes the popular boy in her class whose name is Philip. Everybody likes Philip. And Margaret gets a chance to kiss Philip while playing two minutes in the closet during a party. Nancy lies to the pre-teen sensations that she has had her own first menstrual period while away on vacation. Margaret is mad about this, but then she discovers the truth when Nancy gets her actual first menstrual period while at a restaurant with Margaret. Margaret then really misses her grandma so much, and she is so, so, so thrilled when she is gifted a trip to see her in Florida over spring break. However, this plan has to be canceled because Margaret's mother's parents, you know, those people who had previously disowned their daughter for marrying a Jewish man, have reached out and are randomly planning a visit. Margaret is heartbroken but tries to be polite to her new grandparents when they arrive. But her grandparents, of course, bring up religion and an argument starts. Margaret explodes, declaring that she does not read religion or God. After the confirmation with her grandparents, Margaret stops talking to God. By the end of her school project, she still has not resolved her religious identity. However, she has learned about herself and has become more comfortable with her lack of affiliation. On the last day of school, Margaret gets her first period. Relieved, she resumes her relationship with God, saying, I know you're there, God. I know you wouldn't have missed this for anything. Thank you, God. Thanks an awful lot. Also, apparently, she's still friends with Nancy. The end. So... <laughs> That was the book in 1970. And Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is a 2023 American coming-of-age period comedy drama film produced, written for the screen, and directed by Kelly Fremen Craig. The film stars Abby Ryder Forston as the title character, along with Rachel McAdams, Elle Graham, Benny Safdie, and Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates as the grandma. 
and it literally just came out. So part of the reason why I'm doing it this type of recap is because I could not watch it and take notes. I tried to take notes in the movie theater and I dropped my pen. And oh, no. I, I could not, I couldn't keep going. And I <laughs> only had the one pen. And I was like, I have like one, like one teeny tiny half page of notes. And then it just, it just goes Aww. away. I know, I know, I know, I know. So that's why we are getting this more antiseptic sort of recap. But here we go. I, okay. I tried to punch it up a little bit, but. <laughs> In the 1970s, 11-year-old Margaret Simon is returning from to her New York City home after spending her summer at sleepaway camp. Her parents, Barbara and Herb, inform her that the family is moving, surprise, to New Jersey. This is a new suburb, and it'll be a whole new life, and it's all because of her father's new job. Also, mom doesn't have to work anymore. She liked being a teacher, but no, now she gets to be a suburban housewife. Okay, Margaret is dejected about the move. She does not want to leave the city, and she resents being further away from Sylvia, her beloved grandmother on her father's side. So she begins to communicate with God about her anxieties, thoughts, and hopes. Upon moving to New Jersey, she's quickly befriended by her neighbor and classmate, Nancy, who welcomes her into her friend group that includes Gretchen and Janie. At school, Margaret is given a year-long research assignment by her new teacher, Mr. Benedict. He is not just her new teacher, but also a new teacher to the school. When he learns that she dislikes the holidays, Margaret explains that since her mom is a Christian, her dad is Jewish, the family does not observe holidays, and has left it up to Margaret to decide on her own religious identity as she grows older. Barbara is estranged from her devoutly Christian parents because they disowned her upon her marriage to Herb. As a result, Margaret has never met her maternal grandparents. So her teacher says, this should be your project, and Margaret agrees. So she is going to go to different religious organizations and try to figure out where she fits in. She is waiting for a feeling. She goes to different places of worship, including accompanying Sylvia to synagogue, attending a black Christian church service with Janie, where she gets real down and into that gospel music. She goes to a nativity mass during Christmas with Nancy. But meanwhile, Barbara attempts to fit in with the PTA, signs up for multiple committees, which draws her away from her hobby of painting and teaching art. She also cannot seem to commit to a couch. Margaret and her new friends anticipate the milestones of puberty, such as wearing a bra, getting their first kisses. Apparently, you can practice, you know, on a bedpost. Gretchen brings home a sex education book or an anatomy book, depending on who you ask and how quickly you take notes, and they all look through it. They also look at a playboy. The girls are shown a video at school about menstruation and female reproduction. The girls are most excited about starting their period. Margaret becomes impatient when other girls start to get their periods before her, including Gretchen and Nancy. And so she asks God to help her be normal like everyone else. She repeatedly asks God to help her breasts grow. She and Janie buy sanitary pads at the drugstore just so that they can be prepared. And Margaret tries one on for size. At a classmate's party, Margaret enjoys her first kiss with Philip, a popular boy in her class, even though there's been this casual flirtation with that cute boy named Moose who mows the lawn. One night, while out with Nancy and her family in New York, Margaret learns that Nancy had lied about getting her period, so there's a little bit of friction there. Also, for her school project, Mar Margaret has been paired up with Laura Danker, the girl in her class that everybody gossips about because she is more developed and taller than all of her peers. While studying with Laura at the library and really frustrated because of the stuff going on with Nancy, Margaret is cruel. She brings up the rumors about Laura and how Laura lets boys feel her up. This makes Laura really mad. She's very upset. She storms out. Margaret tries to apologize. She feels guilty for shaming Laura because of the rumors. For the spring break, Margaret wants to visit Sylvia while she's vacationing in Florida, but these plans are interrupted when Barbara's parents reach out to their daughter and say, surprise, they're coming to visit to meet Margaret. When Sylvia learns why Margaret's Florida trip has been canceled, she decides to show up at the Simon house on the same day as her in-laws. 
The dinner becomes very awkward when Barbara's parents probe Margaret about possibly attending Sunday school, and Sylvia retorts that Margaret attends this temple, and so therefore she's already made up her mind and she is going to be Jewish. This sparks a huge argument between both the parents and the grandparents, ending with Margaret screaming that she doesn't care about religion, she doesn't even believe in God, and she stops talking to God. Then Margaret hands in her completed school assignment to Mr. Benedict. It's revealed that she has not resolved the issue of her religious identity. Although upset at first, Margaret seems to be eventually comfortable with her lack of affiliation. Barbara, who has since returned to teaching painting, runs into a PTA president and says, you know what? I don't want to be part of the PTA anymore. I don't want to be on your stupid committees. She says it much more politely than that. But she basically says no, uh, because I don't want to, and is very happy with herself. And we are all very happy for her. At the end of the school year, Margaret thanks Mr. Benedict and reassures him that he is a good teacher. She also reconciles with Laura and welcomes her into the friends group. Just before she leaves her summer camp, she talks to Moose, that neighborhood boy who's been mowing her family's yard, who she has that crush on, and the two agree to, you know, hang out or something when she comes back from camp. Then she discovers her first period has arrived. She excitedly tells her mom, and then resumes her communication with God. The end. And that's it. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. The end. Yes. Yeah. Okay. First, I want to tell you that the scene that wasn't in this movie or book that I thought was just because I want to get it done and out of the way. Oh, yeah. yeah, It's funny. So I read some other book about, you know, puberty and whatever. And in this book, a girl had a, a cousin or an older sister or a friend. And I thought it was a Nancy character who basically told her that she was as flat as an ironing board and her boobs looked like mosquito bites. Oh, I remember this so vividly flat as an ironing board and her boobs look like mosquito bites. And that like <laughs> stuck in my head. So <sighs> listeners, if you read a book in the 80s <laughs> about puberty, yeah. And somebody used that phrase. I would love to know what book it is because I totally thought it was this book, but don't uh-huh. Google that. No, no, no. <laughs> it won't go well for you. It will not. <laughs> or at least use incognito mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Anyways. Do you think this movie could have been made in in this decade? Like set in this decade? I'm glad that it wasn't, honestly, because yeah. for a variety of reasons. One, I think the reason the movie got made now is because the girls who are our age and a little bit older are now at the point in their careers where they can green light these kinds of projects and treat them well. I know that Judy Bloom has been approached over and over and over again, and she very smartly waited. And I love that. I love that for Judy. And I love that for this movie. I mean, the movie wasn't made for 11 year old tweens today. It was made for us. It really was. And I think it tangentially is good for the tweens of today it'll definitely start some conversations yeah the rating was rather interesting i have a lot to say about the rating and why it was rated what was it pg-13 13 13? girl i have to tell (laughs) you first of all we just watched the lion king the original animated lion king that is rated g that shit is rated g do you know what happens in the lion king there is straight up murder there's a death of a parent that is still freaking traumatizing to right. this day for like you everybody our age right yes. okay i mean there's there's a coup there is violence there is peril there is yeah. danger oh my god a g rating yeah this movie got a pg-13 and i have it right here do you know why it got a pg-13 i will tell you i will tell you why it got a pg-13 it got a pg-13 because pg-13 by the mpa for sex education thematic material suggestive material and a discussion of religion 
because of a playboy i wonder i think it's the penis honestly but it was it, it was, was a like an anatomical graphic it was drawing. okay first of all it wasn't really graphic she but she it was a medical well, illustration exactly that's of a flaccid penis yes in like monocolored tone like there was like very little color there was no it wasn't graphic at all no not yeah it was a graphic as in like a, a like a graphic drawing, drawing. yes yeah i know what you meant yeah. yeah yeah that and when the girls are looking at the playboy we just see their reactions we don't actually see right i the think they saw like fair faucet feathered sort of hair and that's it yeah, we saw like her face, her head, yeah. but there's a video, you know, about menstruation and they're talking about their periods. And right. one of the things I read online was like, and then we see a girl put a pad on and I was like, well, no, we kind of see the underwear and we see right. her putting a pad in her underwear and then right. she's standing up and I mean, she's completely covered. Yeah, Exactly. So I, uh, yeah, that's a weird rating. Yeah. And, and I looked into it and one of the things is that they tend to, the rating system is a panel of parents mm -hmm. who get to pick the rating and they, they can be contested. And the, and the history of the rating system is, is just phenomenally interesting too. I've got a bunch of links. I will link to them in the show notes for people, but they want to err on the side of caution. They'd rather parents think it's worse than it is then think it's not so bad and then get mad. So uh, like, that's the, the, the idea. So there's that, but at the same time, do you know what other movie just came out? Guardians of the galaxy volume three or whatever. And that okay. movie has is also PG 13 has a ton of violence and some highly explicit gore. And people are calling for that one to be changed to an R, but Marvel oh. doesn't want it to be an R because well, they want all the teenagers to be right. able to go see it. Right. And, right. you know, Disney also doesn't like doing R movies, you know, for their platform, right. et cetera, et cetera. So I just think that the politics and the, like, this puritanical yeah. bullshit of like how we are yeah. more afraid of girls having autonomy of their bodies and understanding right. themselves Right. Is more scary and threatening than straight up violence and gore. I mean, come on, America, yeah. wake up. It that mm. that whole scene could have been taken straight out of my childhood, by the way, because I did go into my grandparents like stuff and got an anatomical book of women's bodies because I was into the ladies <laughs> and <laughs> looked at all of the pictures and all of the graphs and just like totally like obsessed over a what is my body going to look like mm -hmm. am i going to look like that and b like hey like so mom my mother mother of my if you're listening just just pause or or mute <laughs> for for a couple seconds here just 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 do that I found a porn book under my parents' bed and it was like not porn book but it was like a joy it, it there was a the lot of joy of sex, right? I don't yeah. know what it was, but there was a right. lot of hair. Okay. Here's <laughs> the thing. I also like obsessively looked at that book, right? Yes. Because you're curious and you want to know. I yeah. have a book here that has pencil line drawings of genitalia because mm -hmm. it's a study book from when I was a sociology major back in the day. And I've already shown my daughter those, those pencil drawings. Yeah. I'm like, you need to know what things look like because it's take the mystery out of it, right? This yeah. is an important thing to know. I would much rather, and I think most parents, if you really gave them a choice, do you right. want an anatomy book or do you want your kid on Google going, show me a vagina? Yeah. Or, you know, or Playboy where everybody's 
19 quote unquote and likes long walks on the beach you know and it's sexualized see that's right the thing. like the playboy yes. was it's sexualized the yes. anatomy picture of the penis was not the thing was yes. not hard at all the right. best one of the best lines in the movie which is not in the book but in the movie when they're looking at it the one girl goes it looks like a thumb oh my <laughs> god i laughed so hard yes because it yes. did <laughs> I was telling Matthew when I got home, I was like, it was like this. It was like, like a <laughs> I love it. But it goes back to if this movie had been made in like 2023, those girls would have already had some semblance of what that looked like. They would they wouldn't have been in a book. They would have been on their phones, mm-hmm. you know. It it would have been really different. Yeah. And then and and they then wouldn't have been in the same room. <laughs> They yeah. were like sending links to each other. Oh, right? I know. Yeah, seriously. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. And then that that's a whole other thing about texting yourself, texting your friends pictures of genitalia. Like that's right. nope, bad, all right. bad, 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 bad. You know, another weird thing that I just thought about too is that when they were looking at the male anatomy, it was in a textbook and it was not sexualized at all but then when they were looking at the women's body it was from playboy which was highly sexualized giving them like the underlying message that your body is supposed to be sexualized yes women's bodies are sexual men's bodies are productive and useful tools right yeah Yeah. they're scientific versus yeah yeah Yeah. also how freaking blase. Oh, my, my dad has a Playboy. My dad has a Playboy too. I know exactly where it is, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And in the book, they make a, she says that he used to keep his Playboys in the living room, but he mm-hmm. doesn't anymore. And so she had to go find it. In the movie, they kind of cut that out. And I was like, thank God, right. because I'm sorry, dudes, do not keep your Playboys in the living room. Like that right. is, I don't know if that was like but, a thing that men did in the seventies. I but- think it was a subcontext of, it was okay when she was a child, but now my daughter's getting older. I better hide these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I knew exactly where my grandpa's playboys were. Mm-hmm. Like I knew where my uncles were. And that was <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and education. Some of those images are very burned into my brain. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Okay. But I want to talk about the book before we get super into the movie, because there's plenty of things to say about the book first. Um, The book is very short. It is very quick. It's a very quick read. And that's great. I mean, you can practically read it in one city. And that makes sense. It's a middle grade book, right? Right. However, let me just preface this by saying I love Judy Bloom. I love her writing. She writes very clearly. You really feel like you're reading an 11-year-old girl's experience, etc. But there were some dangling plot points that happened in this book that my narrative brain didn't like. Did you bump on any yeah. of the dangling plot points? The grade, the resolve, resolving of the assignment. And the assignment was a loose plot point that never it ended up not being really that big of a deal. It was just kind of a background driving force for why she was doing it. It was a catalyst to jumpstart the that, but I don't think it was the main, it was almost an afterthought. I don't know. I, I don't know about it being an afterthought because I do feel like her search for identity was a fundamental part of her coming of age. And like, so I think it was important. Yeah. What I think though is that, so in the book, 
she writes her paper and it's a very cute paper. She's like, I did this. Right. This is where I went. I went to all these different places. Yes. And this is my, 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 basically my end result is that religion makes people fight religion. Like pe people don't always get along right. um, there. She kind of almost makes the point that there's, they're more alike than different because she's like, they all have the same basic thing. The man up in the front talks they're singing yeah. and standing and da, 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 like it's very the same except that and she doesn't have the special feeling in any of the places she doesn't really feeling it right but she writes this paper and then she turns it in and when she turns it in everybody else's year-long project is in these fancy binders and these notebooks and they look very right. and so then she's super nervous she turns it in the teacher's like oh let me talk to you and she's like no ah! and she runs away and cries in the bathroom yes. and he he literally chases her through the school, like calling her name, trying to bring her back. Cause he's obviously he's a good teacher. He's worried about her. Right. And that's the end. So I was waiting for the next scene where he gets up, gets it, you know, talks to her again after class at some point and says, your paper was really good. You obviously did your work. You tried really hard, you right. know, blah, da, 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 da. I'm giving you an A or I'm giving you a B or whatever it is. Yeah. We never have another conversation with the teacher the teacher's done <laughs> he's done yeah. he the last thing we see of him is him calling her name as yeah. she's running away yeah and so we don't have that resolution and i i felt like even, we needed yeah. it yeah i think that first of all a whole year-long paper like that is going to have prerequisites that girl would have known exactly how long the paper needed to be like what it need does it need a folder like uh, I mean, our kids are in fifth grade and they're going through big projects right now. And the requirements are ridiculous <laughs> and spelled out. And I get that he was Very, a new yeah. teacher and like he just had this idea. But I do yeah. feel like at some point he would have been like, it needs to be this or that or the other thing. Right. And it needs like a visual aid or you need two, right. two references or or something. It's I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Not like a weird letter to the teacher that is like a couple paragraphs long and be like, yep, I did some things and uh, I didn't come to any conclusions. Yeah. C plus. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like what are we grading on here? So I, right. that bothered me. And then also she has this thing with Nancy. Nancy lied. She finds out because she's there when Nancy gets her, her actual right. first period. So she's mad at Nancy. This is frustrates me. Here's the thing. Nancy says, well, I thought I got it. And the way people talk about it, it's like, well, she was just lying. But when you are 11 and you're starting your period, there's a lot of times where you like spot and then don't actually get your period. And the way I read it was like, well, maybe she thought she was getting it, or maybe she had like a drop of blood in her underwear, but she never actually got her period. That's a very normal adolescent experience you don't just like uh, some people do just okay now I have my period but a lot of times it's you get a little drip or drop or a couple you know like one day and then three months and then another one you know mm -hmm. it's not a, a faucet on faucet off sort of thing <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So that's a very compassionate reading of Nancy. And I think that it is a good point. I wish that we knew because yes. Nancy, she sends a postcard saying, I got it like yes. right after the other girl had gotten it. And so it def and because of Nancy's character being very competitive about the bras and being very yes. competitive about the boys and very competitive about the kissing and being the little queen bee. It definitely yeah. read to me that she was lying, especially because then her mom was, this is her first time. Yes. You know? So if there had yes. been any, like, if she thought she'd was gotten it earlier, her mom probably would have been clued in. So 
but I will make room for your reading, your interpretation, your grace for Nancy. I think I'm in the minority. <laughs> that's And that's okay. The problem is that Margaret thinks she lied. Yes. Margaret is mad and they never have like a, a come to, my mom used to call it come to Jesus moment. Like they never have right. their, their fight, but Margaret keeps her secret. And then Nancy yeah. writes nice things in her yearbook. Yes. And that's kind of the extent of that. There's no, there's no real comeuppance for Nancy, yeah. but there's also no breaking away from the bullying, which is the other thing I didn't like particularly care for in the book. She and Laura Danker, the tall girl with boobs, they have a little bit of a fight because, mm -hmm. and, and, and Margaret is very cruel to her and unironically all that these girls want is boobs but the girl who has boobs they're gonna slut shame constantly it's a it's a weird dichotomy and it's very true to life but anyways so yeah. she had they have this little fight and laura's really upset and she calls her out for basically being a bully your friends make fun of me and it's not nice and margaret is feels bad about it yeah the end like we don't get anything yeah. else. She never, no. there's never a part where she's like, I wrote her a thing or an I'm sorry letter, or I tried to reach out or I'm going to yeah. hang out with her this summer. Like nothing. It's like, she kind of yeah. maybe internalized, learned something, but she didn't break away from the Nancy beehive. She didn't tell anybody else, Hey, we should stop making fun of Laura. Right. But also like I, I had conflict on my own about this because when I read it, and reread it and, you know, listen to the audio version, whatever. As I read it, mm -hmm. I was not thinking these girls are bullies. But then when I was, you know, writing my notes about it, I was like, were they being bullies? Because I never read or saw in the movie anything where they were directly interacting with Laura. It was like when they were at home in their meetings and when they were on the phone with each other, but not like how would Laura know that that was happening? Because it, it wasn't ever showcased that like, I, I think it, well, they definitely showed it in the movie. They were whispering about her in the classroom yeah. and at the party in the book. I definitely got the vibe that there was, because when Laura first walked in and she thought maybe Laura was the teacher and there was yeah. giggling about that. And yeah. I mean, you've been teased. We all know, even if we're not in the room where people are saying shitty things about us, like, yeah. you know, that people say shitty things and like, Laura didn't have any friends. Yeah. And why didn't she have any friends? Because people were mean and because she had a reputation a totally yeah. unwarranted reputation. Also, Margaret came into this school in sixth grade, but Laura had started developing in fourth grade. Right. And so that those patterns had been set. So Margaret might not have seen the beginning of it, but like exactly. that kid had been teased for years at this point. She was yeah. an outcast by the time Margaret showed up. So you don't yes. have to watch the actual bullying now when those patterns have been set. I think. Yeah, because I think, I think Margaret was naive. Like mm -hmm. she believed what she was told. So, yes. I mean, was she naive? Yes. Was she envious and jealous? Yes. I wish I was like her. I wish mm -hmm. I grow like her but I don't know that she knew that Nancy was flat out lying and I I don't even know that I realized that she was until much later in the book yeah well okay so here's the here's the thing I think and they took this part out of the movie which thank god thank yeah. god because it's 2023 in right. the book though part of their gossip about Laura is that Laura is is doing stuff with the teacher mr benedict's eyes pop out of his head every time she wears a sweater and they they're constantly hold on because i don't think the 
the gossip was that the teacher had eyes for Laura, not that Laura was doing something with the teacher. Agreed. Agreed. But it's still Laura's fault because she's flaunting her big boobs, right? It's total, It yeah, it's really fucked up. And unfortunately, it is very true to how a lot of women treat other women. Yes. But that is definitely a part of it. And so I think that because we saw that, and yes, she was naive, but she was also in the classroom. She didn't notice his eyes popping out. Right. But she also didn't really clock that that the girls were straight up lying or whatever or misleading. You know, and it took her a while to kind of clock that Nancy wasn't as perfect as Nancy wanted to be seen as. Yeah, well, that's well, I think that's one of the themes of this book is that Margaret starts out as a follower and has to, like, find her own voice and find her own mind. Mm -hmm. That's such an important and that's, you know, that's kind of something that happens at that age, too. Right. Mm -hmm. You you go from everybody like a big herd of girls to like Mm -hmm. girls finding their own opinion and and that causing, you know, some rifts between them. For sure. And I think that Margaret did a great job of finding her voice when it came to religion and being able to stand up for herself when everybody was yeah. arguing and being like, I don't even know if I believe in God, you know, and like all yeah. of these things. But I don't think, you know, and, and obviously maybe it's just not fair. She's only 12, you know, by the end of the book, like, right, you yeah. know, and she's 12 in 1970. So she might not have even had the the language of slut shaming and, and I, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah. I, that was to me, I was like, oh, Okay, I I kind of was waiting for the rest of it. And I'm really happy to report that the movie fixed all of those problems. (laughs) But but before we get into the movie, I have a couple more things about the book. The injury, the father got injured in the book. Yes. And it was a big deal. Yes. In the movie, he also got injured, but not nearly as graphic or as like a big scary deal as it was in the book. And it was so funny him trying to stop (laughs) the lawnmower with his hand, basically. Like... Uh he was trying to clear out a clump of grass and it, <laughs> and it, and didn't stop the blade like a big ding dong yep <laughs> and and i love it because it very much read to me as this city slicker guy moving to yes. the suburbs and trying to be like suburban dad yes. and failing and then He's out there like supervising the neighborhood boy who's doing the yeah. actual law. He's like hiding behind his paper watching it. <laughs> I loved it so much. And and Margaret's out there pretending to read her book so she could also kind of like spy on the neighbor boy who's who's mowing the lawn. It's very yeah. cute. Very cute. Ooh, can we talk about a part that was that was in the book but not in the movie? And I was highly disappointed. Yeah. So in the book, at the beginning, just after she moves there, she goes over to Nancy's house and she meets Nancy's mom. And like the first interaction with Nancy's mom is like, well, what church are you going to? Or what Sunday school do you go to? And she's like, oh, I don't go to Sunday school. And the mom like flips her lid. What do you mean you don't go to Sunday school? You know, you don't go anywhere. You don't go to anywhere. Right. And and her mom's like, oh, like it's a big deal. And Margaret's like, well, no, we just they're not making me choose. And I was so looking forward to seeing that on the screen. Like when I reread it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to see how they play this out. And then they just they just didn't put it in. (laughs) 
yeah the first time we really get her religion talking is with the teacher which is yeah. fine that's a good scene about the the holidays and stuff but yeah oh, it definitely else they didn't put in okay go ahead and finish your thought i'm sorry no, no that's okay but it definitely sets a tone and it reminds us early in the in the book that it is very tribal right the neighborhood and who goes to church where and what school you go to and what where you where you belong to yeah right are you going to join the ymca or the whatever the other one was like right. you, know, you have to decide and i think yeah. that that was part of this this very obvious pressure to yes. be part of this group or that group, you can't not be in a group. And I think one of the reasons they might have left it out of the movie is because even though the religious part was there, the the tribalism aspect of of the religious part wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a smart choice considering what the political climate is of today, yes. where it's more yes. important that you're a good person and that your religion is your thing as opposed yeah. to signing up and then not think. I yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What was the other thing that you thought of that? The other thing that they did not put in the movie is when they meet the new teacher, the teacher puts the questions on the board. And one of the questions is, how do you feel about having a male teacher? Mm -hmm. And Margaret wrote her honest answer. And it wasn't until afterward when she was talking to her friends that they were like, that was a trick question. They're trying to get you, you know, so they know if you're like abnormal and yeah. they completely like left that whole male teacher thing out. But in the 70s, it was unusual to have a male teacher. I'm trying to remember what she answered. Oh, what was her answer? I think male teachers are the opposite of female teachers. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Love yeah. it so much. I'm not okay. good to answer. Yeah. I <laughs> I okay yes it was a big deal that it's a male teacher I actually remember at one point looking at statistics when my daughter was a little bit younger mm -hmm. about the percentages of male teachers in elementary school versus mm -hmm. middle school versus high school and predominantly male teachers are more common uh, higher up right it's very uh, rare yeah. for there to be a male kindergarten teacher or it's like practically unheard of I mean there's a few yeah. obviously and those numbers are going up but like it is less and less common now sixth grade is like in the middle it's on the cusp right but it, uh -huh. yes like you said it wouldn't yeah. have been and i think they left that out of the movie because in the movie they also made him black which I was, was just gonna say that too yeah and one of her friends was black and this was a big change from the book because the yes. book was all very white i really liked this edition of diversity a lot it was needed yeah but i will tell you i like i had some male teachers starting at maybe fourth grade but it was like one or two until I until I moved to the big city mm -hmm. and to a much bigger like high school and then I had more male teachers I had zero black teachers my entire school career including college I grew up in San Jose I didn't have a black teacher until college. I did have black teachers in college, but because I went to a private church run school, I actually had a male teacher in third grade. And if I had gone to that school, there was a male teacher for first and second grade, and then another one for third and fourth. 
and then a woman for fifth and sixth, and then a man for seventh and eighth. So there was more men teachers than women, but it was also a Lutheran school that was basically set up because the people at the church needed to put their kids into a school that was safe for their, you know, yeah. So these people, I don't know about any teaching credentials that may or may not have existed because you don't necessarily (laughs) need those for private schools. Yeah. Now my daughter, my oldest is in fifth grade and this is her first year having multiple teachers because she, you know, has different periods of classes and she, her science teacher is a man and it is the first male teacher she's ever had up to fifth grade. Ella had a man math teacher in third grade, I think third or fourth. But at her school that she that she's no longer at the school where she did kindergarten and first Mm -hmm. grade, they have a man doing first grade there. But she didn't have like he came later. So, yeah, it's definitely changing, but it is still remarkable. And I I liked it. I liked that they had a black teacher. I liked that he was like, I'm a new teacher. Yeah. And it's played by Echo Kellum. And he is like 40 years old and he yeah. doesn't look like 40, but he doesn't look like 26 either. Do you know what I mean? So I yeah. thought that was interesting yeah. casting that he was a new teacher and a mm-hmm. black teacher. Okay. So like, obviously second chapter of life, like decided like he this is an intentional teaching choice. And I thought that was kind of cool. I wish we'd yeah. come to see more. They did have a wrap up with him. She talked to him mm-hmm. after, and she told him she thought he yeah. was a good teacher. We still don't know what grade she got on her paper. Right. By the way. Right. <laughs> but yeah. they did have a nice moment, which I appreciated. In the book, he was so nervous on the first day of school. He was like, like nervous and stuttering and like sat there and just kind of was having a panic attack. <laughs> In the movie, he seemed more secure. Agreed. But the diversity casting I thought was really well done. And I'm glad to see it. Also, her friend, one of her friends was black. And mm-hmm. this this is what elevated it for me. Not only was one of her friends black, but when they did the montage of them all getting ready, they had the little black girl getting her hair done. Yeah. And they showed it with the hot comb and the things yes, and like the, the whole stove. and the process yeah. and stuff. And I was like, thank you, because that's actual good representation. Yeah. That's not just lip service. Oh, we have a black person Mm -hmm. but it's like there's a black child with an actual black experience that's being treated as completely normal and on par Mm -hmm. with the other girls getting ready and I just I liked that a lot and at the very end when Margaret kind of walks away from Nancy and Nancy's bullshit and decides to go be (laughs) actual friends with Laura like publicly at an event and invites Laura to come dance with her. Right. And then it's the little black girl, Janie, who goes with her. Yeah. And is the first friend to like, you know, also walk away from Nancy and, and Janie's church is the black church with the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's the only time that Margaret's in church where she is ever smiling. She is like, this is fun. I don't know about God, but I like the music. (laughs) Yeah. Well, have you ever been to like, yeah, you yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love freaking gospel music. You don't even have to be Christian to like that stuff. So yeah, no, it's all good. I'm a big fat pagan. And I took a bunch of Unitarian kids to one of these black big Episcopal churches. And I got teary eyed singing the songs and just feeling the energy. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It really is. Music is amazing. So I hooray for that, for them. They, they fixed those plot things and they had diversity. Yeah. Uh, 
another thing that a big change in the movie was that they really fleshed out the mom character a oh, lot. I'm so excited to talk about this. Go right ahead. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I have notes. Okay. <laughs> so the movie makes Margaret's mom into a real character instead of just like a plot helper and practically like an NPC. So <laughs> like she struggles. She works on herself. She tries new things. She burns the chicken. <laughs> right? <laughs> we did not see this through Margaret's eyes and through her narrative. And it's like, and that's like acceptable. And I approve of this because Margaret's a narrator, but it's not through her voice as you see outside things. There are scenes that happen in the movie where Margaret is not present. Yes, we wouldn't we don't get it all in the book because Margaret is right. there for everything. And they that was a definite shift. And mm -hmm. I think it worked really well because it wasn't too much. It was yes. just enough. And all yes. of the stuff, the plot, the the character arc of her mom was very reflective of Margaret's own character arc of like finding yes. yourself and being true to yourself. And if Piper, like my daughter Piper, if she was talking about me, she would not be saying, you know, oh, my mom is, is you know, this growing woman in the 70s, you know, <laughs> learning to do new things and, and struggling with, you know, being a housewife when she wants to be an artist. Like none of that would come from her. She'd be like, yeah, my mom's a dork. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they like, that's how they, they did it. And I think it's so good kids they just don't notice things like that mm -hmm. it, it was it was very on point but in the book she wasn't an art teacher but she was an artist and in the book she was just an artist and that was like her thing but her margaret never really talked about her being an artist that i can remember it was just like yeah that's what my mom does just like my daughter would be like oh, my mom's on the computer all day judy bloom actually added this whole narrative with uh the mother and her character to reflect how Judy was as a parent, which I thought was really, really cool. Again, like you said, this movie was geared for women. Us. Yes. I connected so much more to the mother now being a mother than than I did Margaret. You know, the lesson that the mother learning to lean into her passion over perceived obligations is uh, so on point. I know I've struggled with that. I think that I could lean and say that you probably struggled with that too. Mm -hmm. Like feeling like you have to do everything and giving up your passions in order to do it. And then having to like reflect on that and like find your balance and find where, where you have a life outside of motherhood. I loved that. I remember when Ella was really little, I had a really hard night one night and I remember I was really sad and Matthew was asking me like, what's going on? And I was like, look, I used to be, these like four or five things. Like I was a writer and I was at this and I was like, I'm these things. And now all I am is a mother. I, I'm not any of those things anymore. Yeah. And I, and I like being a mother. I love being a mother and I love my kid, but I am sad that I don't get to be anything besides that. He was like, yeah. it's temporary. You will get to be those things again. Eventually you just have to, you know, and maybe there'll be different things and maybe they'll, you know, change. And he was right, yes. you know, but it is really hard when you're in the weeds and it's hard at this point. Like Margaret is an only child. I also only have one child yeah. and there is a point where your kid doesn't need you yes. as much. And so right. then you do get to do your own thing a little bit more. And then you have to remember what that is and that it's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really healthy to then 
to do those things and to have your hobbies and to, to showcase to my child that she is very important to me, but I am also very important to me and my hobbies and my needs are important just like her hobbies and her needs. And I think that that is what comes across with the Rachel McAdams character for sure. And it's reflected a little bit. You see that when Margaret's coming home from her first day of school and Margaret's like, okay, I'm out. Like, I'm going to go to my friends and, and Rachel McAdams, she's like, well, don't you want to, I was expecting you to stay and tell me about your day. And like, it's the afternoon. We were going to spend it together. And she's like, uh, I'm 11 and I'm going to go do 11 year old things. <laughs> right. And like, I, that was my fear when I had young children. I was terrified of that looming empty nest, even though like we have a long ways to go. But I saw people that were like becoming empty nesters and not having an identity. And I was so terrified of that, that like I made myself have hobbies and things outside of motherhood to be more. And then Bloom, when she was making the movie, because she's a producer on the movie, told Rachel, like, you need to make her kind of dorky and and crafty and and 70s mom, but also sexy because she's a sexy mom. Mm -hmm. She's making eyes at her husband and, you know, she's watching him mow the lawn and asking him to take off his shirt, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And her her outfits were chef's kiss i loved almost there was one very paisley top where i was like oh no but the rest of them (laughs) were very hot (laughs) and here's here's an interesting juxtaposition is that the movie is about margaret you know wanting a bra right a good portion of it is like i need a bra i need to be wearing a bra i'm not grown up until i have a bra mcadams did not wear a bra through the entire movie. Really? Yeah. On point because A, because it's 1970 and women are burning their bras. Mm-hmm. First of all, she's part of that generation that have been like, this sucks. I'm taking it off. But also she loves her daughter. This is what her daughter wants. And she's like, okay, we're going to take you bra shopping. I don't know that I would have been that person. <laughs> I'm so preachy to my daughter. I've been like, let me tell you why you might not want this bra because uh, um, yeah. women's rights and you don't need one really. And <laughs> I love that she supported Margaret in, in it, but also yes. was very honest when, as soon as Margaret got it on, she was like, how does yeah. that feel? And Margaret says, I want to take this off. I can't yeah. wait to take this off. And yeah. mom goes, oh, yeah. Welcome, yeah. To- welcome to womanhood. Welcome yeah. to womanhood. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, it was, it was very sweet. I really liked the mom. I love as somebody who has gotten roped into her share of PTA things and then been very grumpy about it. I yeah. loved her. The, the arc of her first, like ending up doing all the stars because in the movie, there's a PTA project and she does her part and then she ends up having to do the part of somebody else. She's basically a doormat for the PTA mom because she wants to fit yeah. in so bad. All those stars, I would have been like, no, no, no. <laughs> and then at the very end, when the other PTA mom was like, okay, so we're getting ready for PTA for next year, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And the woman yeah. goes, well, why? And she goes, because I don't want to. Yes. Oh, Thank my you. God. I was like, yeah. wow, you are my hero. I yeah. cannot say that to people. And I, it's hard. It is so hard. Yes. I can't. Okay. Specifically regarding PTA, which they call it di- something different at my school. Yeah, me too. But the PTA mom has come up to me every year at the beginning of every year and be like, oh, 
you know, do you think you're going to do it? And I'm like, every year, I'm like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to do it this year. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to look into it. I'll get back to you. And then I never do. And I just need to do, I need to pull a barb and be and just like, say, no, I just don't want to. Yeah. Okay. So for the first several years of Ella Bead in school, I was on school site council. I was on PTA. I was the secretary of this other blah, 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 blah. I did a bunch of things. And then at one point they nominated me to do a job. And I, I came into a meeting and they were like, we've decided that you're going to do this. And I was like, but I, I didn't, I didn't run for that. And they're yeah. like, well, we've decided. And I was like, <laughs> um, but I don't want to, that's, I don't think I can do that. And they were like, no, it's fine. You're, you're going to be the secretary. You're going to da 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 And so that's I, big job. dude, right. And so I didn't do it. And then I just never went back to any more meetings. And I was like, I'm yeah. sorry, not sorry. Not sorry. And, <laughs> and at that point, I already knew that my daughter was moving schools. So I yeah. had no fucks to give and no bridges to care about, right? Like yeah. burn it all down. So then she got to the new school and I was like, okay. And they're like, PTA, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's not really going to work out for me, but I am happy to write an occasional check. And that's literally yeah. and that's what I told her teacher too. I'm like, I cannot do a lot of stuff, but I will occasionally mm -hmm. will write you a check. I will order you stuff off of Amazon. That's yeah. my extent, mm -hmm. the end. And like, thankfully, and I think that they appreciate when you just are very clear about what you can and can't do, you know, which yeah. is good, but it is so hard and the mom guilt and it's not just mom stuff it's like friend stuff it's people stuff when people mm -hmm. ask you to do stuff it is it is it can be very hard to be like no that's what i tell everybody no is a complete sentence Ugh. and yeah it is I a hard advice that's, sometimes. that's a hard period to put there yeah okay can i just say that this this rhyme exercise that they did, they forgot the important part okay so yes yeah. you know how it goes i must i must i must I, I must, must increase my bust. The bigger, the better, the tighter, the sweater. The boys are counting on us. I must. I'm see. And like that look on your face is exactly why I wanted to be on Zoom. <laughs> Did you not know that there was a second part that is no. so gross? Yes. The bigger, the better, the tighter, the sweater. The boys are counting on us. That Where is the. Where did that come from? That's the second half of the we must thing. Is it in the book? No, it's not no. in the book. It is literally, but it is what is what people said when I was younger. And this would have been the early nineties huh. that that whole thing, we were still doing that trying to get boobs yeah. but there was a second part i never heard the second part oh my no. gosh that's mm. crazy that's crazy yeah actually when they were making the movie bloom had to tell them how to do it because they were going like this i must I oh must. and this is a, like, this is a this is an audio podcast so please explain oh. what you're doing <laughs> oh yes i'm sorry yes so when they were making the movie they were putting their hands together in like a prayer like sort of position and then going up pushing up which is i i mean that is a chest muscle exercise i get that <laughs> but no it's it's a fist motion and you're kind of pushing your elbows in and out and yeah i'm so glad that it's like not in fashion anymore I don't think the girls today do this. Yeah. So Piper was really confused about the bra part. And I had to tell her that a fabric was not the fabric that they have today. The bras that they're wearing today are like very comfortable Lycra sports mm -hmm. bras. Sports bras. They're yes. soft, you know, yeah. they're comfortable. She can wear them out and to bed and to whenever she feels like it. 
like that's her deal she well, can and choose, there's a right? variety because when yes. when ella when she first expressed an interest i went to target i bought like five different things so that she could yeah. try them on in the privacy of her bedroom yes. and figure out what worked for her and then i just returned the ones that she didn't like yeah and there's a variety of styles and now we know her yes. style she has her style that she likes and yeah mm -hmm. but it was not that way in 1970 no, no. It, the fabric was really scratchy the seams there were so many seams and they were all scratchy mm -hmm. <laughs> and the one the grow bra which is what they margaret and her friend got they have like weird adjustable straps that you like clipped in and then pulled up and clipped back because i had one of these so i i know exactly what it is and then it had the clips in the back now maybe we have two of hers of mine that daughters that have clips in the back but the rest of them don't mm -mm. and those ones don't get worn because they're not comfortable <laughs> yeah yeah now we stick to the sports bra style over yeah. here because it's just easier and honestly like I'm a grown ass woman and there are definitely times of the month where all I want is a sports bra too, man. I'm not right. looking for underwire. No. Yeah. yeah. And none of her friends, cause I asked this and this is okay to share. None of her friends are talking about boobs. Like it's not really a topic of discussion because after the movie, cause mm -hmm. I took her with me to see the movie and I was like, you know, do your friends talk like that? Is that something you guys share with each other? Or, you know, not that you're doing weird songs and dances, but like, you know, are you comparing sizes or talking about bras? And she's like, not really. Like, we don't really talk about our bodies like that. No, yeah. I know that Ella has told me, well, she told me when so-and-so is wearing a bra now. Okay, good to know. Like, so I know that there was some discussion. So-and-so is okay. wearing a bra. So-and-so got her period. But there's not been, there. she's not as, there, she's not obsessed about Also, right. and I don't know the outlier thing here. My kid is not excited to go through puberty. She is not looking forward to being a grown-up. She has already clocked yeah. that being a grown-up means a lot of work and a responsibility <laughs> and a lot less free time. So she is like not about it and i also yeah. think that she's just having a wonderful childhood is what i like to tell myself and so like who yeah. would be eager to leave this little happy place so it is different like she's not i was very eager to grow up like probably more than i should have been obviously made bad choices because i wanted so badly to be a grown-up quote unquote yeah. but yeah i do remember talking about it with my friends really often about about bras and what kind of bras and and stuff like that but you're right i, I think nowadays it, they have other stuff to talk about you know yeah and i think that there's less focus on their body like you and i grew up in a time yeah. where like the heroin chic was like a thing yes. and the supermodels were things and you know household names and Nobody was really thinking about the fact of disordered eating being caused by unrealistic right. societal expectations. Right. But I think that our daughters have a different relationships with their bodies and right. with themselves and their sense of self-worth and like all of that. So our bodies were a commodity mm -hmm. like in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Our bodies were something to sell and to make us worthy and something to promote us forward in the world. And they're this new generation has freedom from that. I mean, not completely, but in a much bigger way than we did. Yeah. So they're not looking at their bodies and trying to be what's on TV or TikTok, you know, and, and granted, there is still definitely, you know, 
my kid's 11 and it, that that might be a different mindset when she's 15, 16, but I'm for sure. But also like there are more representation of bigger bodies and yes. healthy bodies at different sizes. I yes. love the fact I'm on a freaking kickball team. The youngest person on my kickball team is 38 or something yeah. ridiculous like that, right? We are all in our 40s and our 50s <laughs> and or you know, whatever. And none of us are svelte little, okay, that's not true. Right. Angelique is teeny tiny, <laughs> but she's a teeny tiny person, you know, she's right. not like, she's not a supermodel and that we are, right. but we're out there and we're running and we're jumping and we're active mm-hmm. and healthy ish, you yeah. know, like, I mean, then we go out for drinks and chimichangas, but, <laughs> but that's a part of the, that's part of the fun. And I think that that's yeah. a good example to set for my kiddo. So yeah, yeah, the bra stuff I thought was interesting. I loved that in the movie, she stuffed her bra and then danced around because that was very on point. So on point. Yes. And yeah. adorable. But she didn't leave the house that way. No, 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 no. But in no. the book she did, didn't she? In the book. So in the movie, she used socks and it was like big Dolly yeah. Parton boobs but in the book it was cotton balls I think and she oh, yeah. them and she was feeling she's like I shouldn't feel guilty about this she's gonna think I just got these cotton balls for you know mosquito yes. bites and which I thought was funny and then <laughs> but I think she wore those outside to see moose or she she wore them out but not like to school or anything I don't think it was like no. I think it was like a one time and then she felt silly about it and she, she felt very self-conscious about it and took yeah took them yeah, out and yeah. Ran back in. yeah I remember girls using Kleenex and then I yes. remember hearing and I think this has got to be an urban legend about a girl who had a shrink wrapped chicken breasts Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some kind of like wrapped in saran wraps that they wouldn't smell, which I don't think would work. And also, and then put them in so that they would like have the right look and feel and et cetera. But I'm pretty sure that was like urban legend stuff. I, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. So many things coming back to my brain now. my school, the, the urban legend was the water balloon that was only like half full so that it was a little like more loose. Oh gosh. First of all, I have like not a phobia, but I have a very large discomfort of balloons. And so the idea of like that rubber against your your skin, my skin is crawling. Like, you know, you get the the shivers in the back of your neck. Like I have that right now. Just thinking. (laughs) God, I would just be so afraid it would leak. Like you just end up. Well, that was the thing. Yeah. And girls would be like, well, you know, water or no. What if you filled it with jello or, you know, jello jello in a balloon we've been talked about sylvia i really liked sylvia as a character i like kathy bates as an actress i think that it the book and then definitely in the movie they did a very good job of walking a very fine line of not being a stereotypical jewish mother and mother-in-law and grandmother yeah she seemed authentic and kind Mm -hmm. and funny and all those things she was never a cartoon or a caricature and it could have very easily have gone yeah. into a cringy cringy place i know the director walk was very careful about making sure none of the characters were like caricature also i was a little disappointed to not see a little jewish grandma from new york like on the screen but also mm-hmm. i love kathy bates so much they made a really good choice getting a strong older woman actress for Mm -hmm. that role because 
if it had just been just some Joe Schmo actress, I yeah. would have been more disappointed. But like, you can't ever be disappointed with Kathy Bates on the screen, you know? Right. And she played it really well. I did like, I mean, it's so much drama, right? She shows up at the yeah. dinner, which was not in the book. Not been, in the book. No, in the movie, Grandma shows up. And I was like, girl. <laughs> I liked it in the book because what happens in the book is the grandparents come from Ohio and they're complete assholes and then they leave and then everybody's sad and then here comes Grandma Sylvia and she's like, I see you're sad and I came. I knew you were going to be sad and I came to cheer you up. And in the movie, she's she's the catalyst for the fight. Yeah. And I felt like, man, Grandma Sylvia got done dirty in the movie. <laughs> She really pushed it and yes. then she added flame to the fire. Like, you yes. know, for sure, for sure. That was, yeah, I was like, oh, oh man, you with the drama. In the book, it she's always like a, a place of refuge for Margaret, mm-hmm. right? That was my, my grandma was not a little Jewish woman from New York. She was an Okie from Muskogee, right? But... <laughs> <laughs> But she was always my place of refuge and always a place I could come to when I was feeling, you know, upset or confused or whatever. And like a place of comfort to to regenerate and be able to go back out into the world. And I think that was Sylvia for Margaret. In the movie, you still get that a little bit, but also she's like pushing that agenda. In the book, of course, Sylvia's excited when she wants to go to synagogue and she takes her, you know, it's boring as hell. I guess not hell. It's probably a bad choice of words. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Sorry, all the Jewish people out there. Yeah, I feel like she kind of got done dirty in the movie because she she's not that person that was like and then help me remember because again couldn't take notes and only saw the movie once do we see her again after she leaves in the cab no not in the movie no what i what another thing that i liked and i think this was in both the book and the movie is that she kind of gets her second like her her daughter you know her granddaughter's moved away her son mm-hmm. has moved away she's lonely yeah and instead of just sitting there being bitter and lonely in new york she's like you know what i'm gonna go to florida and i'm gonna meet this i'm like, gonna find somebody mr Benjamin, who rhymes with cinnamon like yeah and then, adorable get it on grandma sylvia <laughs> totally adorable and they stay together because like yes. we see him like yeah because he said something to to margaret yeah at the end like he's very very movie, sweet there's to a her. call remember there's a call she a calls call. her grandma and he's like oh how's she doing like he's invested in how she yes doing. okay so that was the, yeah. there was another scene of him at, and, and yeah. both of them towards the mm-hmm. end okay i was like that had to be but yeah he was definitely in it for the long haul and definitely invested he was the new grandpa and that's yes. awesome because the other grandparents yeah. sucked yeah sucked. Oh, okay but it's sad the disownment uh was sad i think that rachel mcadams did such a good job when she was telling oh. her daughter about yes. me, and like she cried but she didn't it wasn't a big tears she's yes. like wiping her eyes but trying yeah. to like hold it together and you could tell she didn't want to bad mouth these people right. you know but she was terribly hurt by what they right. had done but like in, in an old pain like this happened yeah you know, over 11 12 13 years ago and it's still painful but not like bawling your eyes out painful yeah. right she can talk about it now yeah. and it, yeah it was good i in the book margaret already kind of knew that whole shebang it's part of her family history right in the movie the story she's, of her family in the movie she's learning about it and i liked that change because it got we got to see rachel mcadams act and 
And then it was like, it made sense that why there would be a random Christmas card that, that mom would send off to these grandparents because it had old wounds had been opened up because Margaret had been asking about it and stuff. And these freaking people, like I know cell phones didn't exist back then. I know, I know. But like, honestly, you send a letter and you're like, we're going to come. I mean, people make plans, man. People have lives. Drop everything and see these hooks. I, okay. And I, but I love how the dad was so supportive. Like he was like, this is a bad idea but i love you you know and yes. then, this is not your fault and he said that to the mom multiple this is not your fault you're okay mm-hmm. i really liked the parents relationship in the movie yes yeah very good very yeah. good to me oh did you know that there's a boy version of this book i do it's in my trivia mm-hmm. it is called then again maybe i won't yeah, I know nothing about it outside that it exists. Tony Miglione, who is an 11-year-old boy who's also dealing with puberty. Okay. Okay, so since we're doing trivia, here's some trivia. Okay. Beginning in the 70s, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, has been frequently challenged because of its frank talk about menstruation. His depiction of a child being allowed to decide for herself a religion she would prefer to adhere to. Gads. The American Library Association's list of the 100 most frequently challenged books of the 1990s ranked this book at number 60. The novel was 99 on the list in the 100 most challenged books in the 2000s, but it was no longer challenged between the years 2010 and 2020. Mm-hmm. I think people just weren't reading it, but I bet it's being challenged now. Here's some other fun trivia. I don't know if you ever watched the show Lost, but on the show Lost, Sawyer, the, the cute redneck hick, who had a heart of gold. Anyways, he is seen reading this book on the beach at one point, which is kind of funny. Also, in the television show Supernatural, there's an episode called Are You There, God? It's me, Dean Winchester. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, Judy Bloom, like you said, was a producer of the film, and she claims that it is better than the book, and I would agree. And... Echo Kellum, who was the teacher, Mr. Benedict, he did a voice on Star Trek Lower Decks, the episode No Small Parts. So that's your Star Trek trivia. Also. Oh, I have one. Oh, go ahead. Margaret would be 53 today. Oh, that makes me feel really old. (laughs) Be quiet over there. Amazon Prime released a 97-minute documentary under the uh, about Julie Judy Bloom's life. It's called Judy Bloom Forever. It was released last month in April, and it features commentary from actors Molly Ringwald, Leah Dunham, and young adult writer Jacqueline Woodson. They all credit Bloom with, with their frank storytelling. And Netflix has ordered a limited series based on Forever, which was another Judy Bloom book, and that will be directed by Mara Brock Akil, and it will center on black teenagers so that is pretty cool and also liz tiglier who is the showrunner for little fires everywhere which was an adaption of a book is reportedly working on a limited series based on judy bloom's 1998 novel summer sisters for hulu so we'll see what happens with that there we go so okay cynthia was this book worth your time was this movie worth your time it definitely was. It I loved I loved the book. It was very nostalgic for me. I loved the movie. I loved looking at all the props in the background. I kept leaning over to Piper and going, I had that in my house. Or did you see that couch? That's very similar to the couch that I had when I was growing up. And, you know, just like the clothes and, and everything it was just very, uh, it was very good. I agree. I really liked this book. I think 
nostalgia makes this book better maybe um because it is a middle grade book written in 1970 (laughs) yeah if you didn't read this book or you weren't an 11 year old girl at some point between 1970 and 1998 i don't know if this book is really going to do much for you but if you were then it's kind of a fun little jaunt however not everybody has time to buy a middle grade book so go see the movie Definitely see the movie. Everybody should see this movie. Children, I'm going to take my daughter to see it on Mother's Day this Sunday. I'm very, I'm very excited. Yes, the acting is great. The costumes are great. The story is great. They fixed the plot hole, dangly things. And they fleshed it out, I think. And I just think it's a great movie. It definitely should be not (laughs) PG-13. No. I hope that everybody goes and sees this movie for sure. It's just freaking adorable. And don't be afraid it's going to like push your children to choose one religion or another (laughs) religion or no religion. That was the big conversation that Piper and I came away with was Piper was like, so if she's choosing not Christianity and not Judaism, does that mean she's pagan? And I'm like, no, I think she's more agnostic. And so we got to have a full conversation about she's not choosing all of the gods and she's not choosing none of the gods. She's choosing to just wait and see. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely got a vibe of wait and see from her. And I think that's Mm -hmm. good. I think that children should just be allowed to like do that. That that's definitely how we're raising our child. And not just in religion, but also with her sexuality. We have told her if you're gay, great. If you're straight, great. If you're bi, great too. And so if you ask my daughter, the last time I asked her if she had any idea where she might fall on that spectrum, she said, I'm still figuring it out. And I was like, amen. It is better to be figuring it out than to think that you have to have it decided right away because you don't. And I think religion is like that too. You can figure it out and you can change your mind. You're allowed. A lot of us were raised Mm -hmm. one way and then went through some changes and ended up somewhere completely else. And maybe I'm still talking about religion and maybe I'm not. So, you know. Whatever, yeah. whatever gets you through yeah. for sure. But I do think that this will be a good conversation starter it was. about a lots of things. Yeah. Cause we also talked about, you know, boys and girls and how they interact and all of that. And there was a girl that was messaging my daughter on her phone, asking her like, I like you. And would you like to go out sometime? And she made the decision on her own and talked to me about it afterwards that she's going to wait a couple years before she even engages in any of that. She just, I just don't feel ready, mom. That's good. It made for a good conversation. Yeah, for sure. I know that some people will see this and they'll be like, oh gosh, these kids playing spin the bottle and like all of these things. And and on the one hand, there's something very innocent about that in being in sixth grade and getting your first kiss and like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Nowadays though, I just, it's hard to imagine it still staying that innocent because the children of today aren't always, I don't know, like access to more. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but during that time, that was a thing that we all did. mm -hmm. And most of us survived. It was innocent. And it was like, like portrayed in the movie. It was like a kiss on the cheek or a kiss on the lips, but it was like, like, yeah, there's no tongue. This is not like right serious making out. And if you did anything more than that, you get shamed. I mean, that's forever. Such a weird dichotomy of again, like we're jealous of Laura. We hate her. We want to be her, but we hate yeah. her, you know, like mm-hmm. we don't want, you know, how do she lets boys touch her, but now we're going to yeah. play a game where we're going to purposely go right. and like touch, like kiss somebody yeah. and everybody's going to go about for it. Phillip, and every school has a Philip and they're all jerks. <laughs> 
I was just about to name drop the one at my school. And I thought on the off chance that someone from my school <laughs> listens to this podcast, I either that would make him feel really good. I don't think he was a jerk. Mine wasn't a jerk or it would, it would just make him feel awkward. So I'm just not going to say the name Nicholas Emmanuel. Al- oh no, did I? <laughs> Wherever you are, Nick, you know. I you know remember <laughs> like exactly what the person in my school looked like that everybody had a crush on, but I can't remember their name now. Oh, but, but I can also see it play out at my kids' schools, and I obviously won't name names. But I mean, I know exactly who the Nancy is. I know exactly who the Philip is, and those roles play out. And I kind of, I low key asked them, like, does anybody at your school remind you of the characters in the movie? And Piper was like, so oblivious. She was like, no, not really. <laughs> really? You don't think so-and-so kind of reminded you of so-and-so? And she's like, nah. <laughs> there was definitely a Nancy type character in Ella's life for a little while. And yeah, it's, it's hard, man. Yes. So when you can see it as an adult and you just have to let it kind play of play out. it out. Yeah. 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 Because uh, now if the mothers had been involved in this story, Margaret wouldn't have learned anything and it would have been a very different story. There would have been so much more drama. Yeah. Yeah. Motherhood. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> This is our very special Mother's Day episode. So, Cynthia, you are a wonderful mother. I think I'm a pretty kick-ass mother. You are. We both love our mothers. Yes. Yes. So, Mom, you can. I I hope that you didn't listen for a minute, and now you're back, which is great. My mom's not listening to this, but you know, I love you, Mom. Okay. (laughs) Very sweet. Happy Mother's Day to everybody who is a mother, has a mother, knows a mother. You can be a mother, whatever it is. Go pet your dog. Yeah. (laughs) On that note.